welcome to the first episode ever of Black in Real Life. I am Kristen Roshan of CandidlyKristen.com, formerly DivasAndDorks.com, and author of The Creative Discipline Project. Woo woo! And I am Yoli Wea, a.k.a. publisher of Yoli's Green Living, a.k.a. co-founder of the Food and Wellness Equity Collective, a.k.a. queen of all the green. So, all of it. <laughs> all of the green. I want the, I'm going to be queen of the money greens. I'm going to be queen of the collard greens, all the greens. Grains, beans, potatoes, tomatoes, I all am, of that. I am. <laughs> <laughs> so, this is the first episode, Black in Real Life. I think we should just jump right into it, right? Yeah, let's do it. It's it's a it's a beautiful day. And it, like I'm here in New York, the weather outside is not frightful. It is warm. It the sun is shining down on us to remind us that there are bright new days in front of us and I am incredibly happy that this election is somewhat over. And I tend to really say it's somewhat over. It's it's over. If we got to pull the, the toddler out kicking and screaming like it's like they were pulling them out of Chuck E. Cheese, then fine. It's, but it's over. It's a wrap. We going home. It's a good day. <laughs> you, I, I, I'm just not looking forward to all the other stuff. Like black people, we tired. Mm-hmm. I know every person I talk to is tired of not just this, but everything that's been happening over the last year. So it's a brand new day. You know, I feel like <laughs> the whiz, like, can't you feel a brand, brand new, new day? day? Yes. So we are happy. <laughs> we are excited. We are seeing some amazing historical moments come to life. And listen, Black is back. Black is Black in power. We're here. We're excited. Well, black How has you- always been, though, right? But I mean, we have, you know... We listen, like peak black. Listen, we are we are reaching peak black levels. We we okay. kind of we kind of took a little L for the last four years. It was it was a challenge, but we back. We're black in power. Black in <laughs> power. So congratulations, so, first and foremost, to President yes, elect, to yes, Joe Biden and Vice President elect Kamala Harris. Kamala. Hey Kamala. Hey girl. Hey, Kamala. You the know, the first yep. woman of color, the first woman, the first black woman, the first what is it, pan Asian woman. She a first everything. First everything. 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 And we, I, we I love appreciate to see it. it. We love to see it. Is it does it say a lot about me that I'm more excited that this part is over more than the actual election? Like I'm excited. I'm more excited that we're done. Mm-hmm. My like excitement has been tempered um, for some particular reason. I think it's just a, a matter of like being tired of all the things and pandemic and all. And I'm like, well, people still out here acting stupid. They don't want to put on their mask. So I think the the excitement I would have felt like when when President Obama got elected, that was so like monumental. We didn't have all this other stuff going on. And I think my excitement is just slightly tempered because 
life has been a little stressful for for me and for uh, family and friends. And I think it'll dawn on me. It'll hit me more come January. Yeah, well, I, I understand that perspective. I think it's you being cautious because you've kind of seen this rodeo play out like firsthand, but also knowing that it's a lot going on. <laughs> like this ain't one and done. So I, I share your sentiment to an extent. Like I personally, you know, this ain't going to be, you know, we're in for a fight. So you're probably just like, all right, we, we got the first round over with. Now what's next? Yeah, definitely. I am. I am. It's going to be interesting. I want to see what tricks uh, are going to be had, uh, what tricks are going to be happening and all that stuff. Hey, so how do you feel like how do you think the next few months are going to go? Like, is it going to be a peaceful transition <laughs> or uh, <laughs> or do you think there it's going to be a little bit more uh, complex? I mean, we're, we're dealing with a litigious. I love that word litigious, litigious president in chief. Like he loves to slap a, a lawsuit on somebody. So ain't no <laughs> ain't no peaceful transition. Just like you can't leave. You can't escort a toddler out of Chuck E. Cheese in peace. Like they kicking, they screaming, they crying, they whining. How do I know? Because I was one of them. I used to be that child. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, yeah. I have a whole story. I was going to run away with Chuck E. Cheese. I was going to marry him. My mama tells this story all the time. She's pulling me, <laughs> dragging me out of Chuck E. Cheese. And one last, you know, effort to be with, with my love, I'd turn around and say, I love you, Chuck E. Cheese. And then we leave. Wow. I think that was my very first heartbreak. But getting back to, you know, <laughs> the, the toddler and cheese. Wait, hold on. We're going to have to come back to that in a minute. <laughs> wow. Getting Things back to you the, learned about your friends. I know, they, listen, that was my very first love. Heartbreak. Wow. Getting back to the toddler in chief. No, I don't think there's going to be a peaceful transition. I but there's going to be a transition. Period. Okay. That's that's what we need to whether or not he's peaceful with it, we don't care. You want to file 5011 lawsuits, we don't care. You want to get on Twitter with your Twitter thumbs and Twitter fingers and claps and all this, we don't care. America ignored Trump the way that he should have been ignored when he first ran for office. So Hmm. Listen, it's a new day. I'm excited. I think the world is excited. Anytime Paris is ringing church bells, London is shooting off fireworks. Like the world is excited. The fact that the United States has elected competent leadership. Ain't that something? It's a brand new day, baby. I'm here for it. I find that fascinating that you know, everyone outside of us could see what was happening. But isn't that just the, like, and I hate to use this example, but just like people in abusive relationships, they don't see what's going on because from their perspective, it's just a challenging situation that they have to get through. But from their friends' perspectives, it's like, oh no, we can see things 
clearly not through rose colored glasses. Like this is clearly an abusive relationship. So I feel like the world knew. I feel like, I mean, even Canada, who's just up north, they were like, oh yeah, y'all president, we, you know, we still y'all friend, but we're going to have to be y'all friend from a distance because clearly America was in an abusive relationship with our government. Hopefully with Biden in office and and Harris in office, you know, we'll be able to repair that relationship, especially with the black community. Because like you said, like you felt like, you know, you haven't been able to breathe a, a full sigh of relief. Like I think now we're and I think that's where the celebration comes from. Like everyone now can breathe a collective sigh of relief because we see, you know, light at the end of the tunnel. Man, okay. I I I do I get that. And I think there is um a part of me that totally identifies with that and think that's valid. I do believe there is some instances where there's a lot of repair and healing that needs to happen on for especially for our communities. And me personally, I'm like this was a lot. Not just mm-hmm. the election itself, just pandemic. And while, but I also acknowledge I have the privilege of access to certain things. Like if I have health care or access to healthy food, like I specifically go and get organic food. I live in a big city. So relative to the rest of the world, I had it easy, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't change the psychological and the emotional detriment that this whole process has um, created. And my other concern, like outside of myself, is this country is split, split, like smack in the middle, split down. And to be quite candid, I almost feel like the people who voted for Trump are afraid of Becoming a min- quote unquote minority. Like, hold on, say that, say that with your chest because you didn't hit the nail on the head with that one. I feel like those of people who voted for Trump with your chest, not your white girl voice, with oh, your chest, with my chest. Okay. I feel like people are afraid of becoming obsolete and the minorities in this country. And that is where the trend is heading. If you looked at, you know, the census and the statistics and the studies, we're heading towards a more diverse community of people, a world of people where we have diversity that is just the norm. Not one particular race will be the dominant race. And I feel like there's a fear of their dominance being no longer being dominant. Like there's a fear there like, oh, for not for some, not for all, but for some, I think that inherently if they were being truly honest with themselves, because the, the, I think the statistic that really blew my mind is that more white women voted for Trump than last time. But Listen. I was, also think that's a little bit misleading in a sense, because also we've had a historical turnout for this uh, election. So proportionately, is it a bigger turn? Is it more women voted for him because of the turnout or is it because more women just voted for him in general? But either way, 
the fact that more women said, hey, I want to be grabbed by the... And, <laughs> and I also, you know, this whole thing with the Supreme Court and potential issues and challenges uh, against with Roe uh, Ro v. versus Wade. Like, I, how do you, you not take all those factors... Like Roe versus Wade, like how do you not say, hey, my the right to control what I do with my body could be in danger if I go, if I support this, the present administration? Well, you hit the nail on the head regarding, um, I think, the common denominator of Trump supporters is the fact that they are in fear that their quote unquote dominant race may become obsolete or they may become the minority. I am using heavily heavily quoted fingers right now, because I really do believe that that is at the core of their fight, their belief in Trump. And I mean, just their total existence of Trumpism. Um, But also just to get to your point about women who have supported Trump, even in the age of, you know, Roe v. Wade and some of his principles, I would even like to take it a step further and talk about evangelicals or Christians that feel as if, uh, you know, Roe v. Wade is a direct uh, attack on the principles of being pro-life. And it's like, but wait a minute, you can't say out of one side of your mouth, you're pro-life, but then out of the other side of your mouth, be silent when we say Black Lives Matter. Like, I think that there is a huge amount of um, hypocrisy. Absolutely. Perhaps. Absolutely. Perhaps. Hypocritical oh. much, Republicans? Allegedly. Um, <laughs> no, I'm not even giving you no, no allegedly. Um, they are absolutely hypocrites. And, you know, it's it's not a good look. It's not a good look, especially when the majority of our nation, and I say that proudly, the majority of our nation recognize, you know, the faults in the Republican Party. They recognize like, no, like we need new leadership. You can have conservative values, but your conservative values are not going to overtake the country the way that it has over these past four years. So and just like everything black, you know, black is a dominant color. Black always alters, you know, any shade, any color, any just off of the sheer spectrum of just talking about the color black. But that I think that also translates into this election, because to be quite honest, if there wasn't an Atlanta, Georgia, if there wasn't a Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, if there was not a Detroit, Michigan, we would not have a Biden-Harris administration because tell it tell it those are the cities those are the people and they were black and they are black and they they easily they were the one single denominator in this election absolutely I think this goes into the topic or this kind of feeds into the whole uh, topic we were talking about on like our own free will about black women caping. And I was like, huh, 
because in the in the past when I heard of caping, all to me it was always like like Captain Saver, a ho ho. Um, mm-hmm. But in this instance, it's not in the same context. So can you like give, like explain it a little bit more and how, and then in the way that you meant it and the way you understood. So, you know, my idea of black women caping is basically, I mean, I could almost say, call it the Stacey Abrams effect. Like if you want something done, ask a black woman because we're going to get it done. We're going to take up arms. We have maternal um, deep, rooted maternal instincts where we're going to fight and we're going to make things right. However, who's there to pour into us? Who's there to help, you know, promote us, help uh, just really just pour into support, build up black women. We are known for years to put on our cape and go to battle for black men, go to battle for women's rights, go to battle for voting equalities, go to battle, go to battle, go to battle. And we're tired. Like who's, who's going to save us? Who's going to pour into us? Who's going to help us? Who's going to help rebuild us? And I think one black women be caping is a true testament to the strength of black women. But I think also now we need to be recognized for that. And I think with, especially just let's talk about the whole Stacey Abrams significance with this election and getting Atlanta voters registered and having the turnout that they had. And if you really want to just talk about the influence of blackness and black leadership in this administration. Let's talk about the kingmaker himself, uh, the Democratic, uh, I think it's not minority whip, um, Clyburn in South Carolina. Like Representative Clyburn is the whole reason why black people got on the Biden train in the first place. He's a black representative mm-hmm. out of South Carolina. He went to bat for Biden before Biden was really even on black people's radar. And he got the vote out in South Carolina that kind of set the tone and set the pace for where we are today. So we wouldn't even be where we are today if it wasn't for Clyburn and if it wasn't for Stacey Abrams. And it, I think that just goes back to the fact of black women be caping. Like we stay on the front lines, we stay, you know, in battles for people that I don't th- think really uh, thank us for it and appreciate us for it. Well, um, I think you've said all that needs to be said about that. And I also, you know, want to acknowledge the other women who contributed to this movement, especially in Georgia, such as uh, Miss Latasha Brown of Black Voters, Black Voters Matter, and um, and there's like a whole list of other people who were supportive of that movement of women, Black people coming out and voting. So I want to give a shout out to every organization and every Black woman founded organization that made this happen because if it were I even saw on Twitter someone said she basically like rounded up a bunch of like 18 year old young men in her neighborhood and took them to go vote and I thought that was like she didn't know them but she got them and corralled them together to go vote and I was like that's that's dope 
Like we mm-hmm. need more of that in our communities where if we see something like I think hopefully this train continues, especially for the upcoming uh, runoff in Georgia for the Senate seats. And I'm I'm pretty confident those organizations are going to get ho- hopefully a high turnout um, because those seats matter just as much. And I'm going to the topic again about Black women caping and coming to save the day. I just want to reiterate, because um, I say this on social all the time, you are allowed to take a break, dear Black woman, sister, auntie. Like you're allowed to like, re- like relax because there's a whole other set of us who are willing to kind of keep pushing forward while you recuperate. So for all the women who are really like going hard, not just for this election, but during the pandemic, taking care of other people, please allow yourself a moment to be completely self-involved in self-care because without that, I I could see like I could see myself burning out and it has happened. And then when those days happen, I just I Netflix and chill by myself. I eat. I sit in bed all day and watch TV like I, I allow I give myself permission to do those things. And I think sometimes I- as black women, we don't give ourselves permission to just be. We absolutely do not give ourselves permission. But when you think about it, we've been in such a deficit for so many years. It's almost like we don't have that luxury of just being. We don't have that luxury to just chill and let things go. Like we have to consistently be on our grind. We have to work twice as hard as men, twice as hard as white women to, you know, achieve a certain level of excellence. So we don't have that luxury. Um, And I do think that that's why it's a definite need for us as a community to really invest in self-care and mental care um, for ourselves. But to be honest, you know, that's a long time coming because, Stuff still needs to be done. And if you want it done right, ask a black woman because she going to get it done. Hey, man. <laughs> hey, woman. Hey, hey woman. 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 Woo, 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 woo. Okay, okay, now. I, I was getting I was see, I was getting to my, that, that was my ancestor on somebody's side. A moment. Yep. I caught the spirit. <laughs> I done caught the spirit. But absolutely, I think we, there's so many of us and we are so capable and also so willing and and also so willing. And I think we still need to take a break. Like there have to be moments where like if someone is uh, staking out, you know, keeping watch of the camp, you need someone can stay on watch and then somebody else can go to sleep. So I think it is imperative that we have communities of people who support us and can remind us, hey, take a break. Or people who can remind us, hey, you don't have to do that today. I can take up the mantle or I can mm-hmm. pick up the slack on that. I think that's for me is more important for the long term duration of our wellness and absolutely and maybe maybe i think that should be like on the forefront of things that we have our allies do 
Because once again, mm. I think community is important. And I, you know, believe having your village, you know, impart wisdom and, and let you know, okay, you need to take a break. You know, we want to prevent burnout. That's great. But to have an ally say, listen, I see what's going on. I'm aware. Not asking questions like, how can I help? Because at this point, I think there's way too much information out there for you to know how to help. And I think having that asset of allyship step in and say, hey, Black Queen, know you're going through a lot. Let me handle this for you. Let me step in. Let me, you know, putting those actions out there, I think is something that, you know, should be at least on the first five things or top five things allies can do to help Black women and Black community, period. Just like I'm going to, you know, Dave Chappelle, he was just on Saturday Night Live and he said, you know, white people, you want to help? Just do something nice for a black person, something that's undeserved, something that, you know, they won't see coming. Um, Now, his example was, you know, different. His example was you see somebody on the corner selling crack, you know, buy them ice cream. Well, no. But if you see, you know, a black person in need of capital for their business or if you know you know, a black woman that may be burnt out, like step in ally. If you're going to claim to be an ally, like I need to see strong ally actions. And I think that's really the one true thing that can be done in order to help black women escape from burnout, from caping for others. I have several great examples of such. So in my food co-op, there was an instance which some could deem racial and all of the white women in our one of the groups that we have that monitor things at the co-op and start building policy uh, policies around equity, um, anti-racism, anti-sexism. Like we have a, a group that is just formed as a result of the, the murder of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and numerous others to start addressing this in our own cooperative as a means of let's make sure we stand behind our principles and create a safe space for people. So when the incident happened, literally all the white women in the group said, Yoli, you don't have to do anything. Okay. You're not responsible for this. We will take this on. And I literally had to do nothing. Like they took care of it. At the end, that is the kind of step up I would like to see happen as a normal occurrence. Like it should it should be second nature because mm-hmm. I saw an older white gentleman uh, with a shopping cart and a cane yesterday and he was really feeble and had a hard time walking and he's going into Target and I'm like walking past like I'm not going into the store and I'm like, he's going to need some help. At the moment, I couldn't do it, but I went into the store, found someone who worked there. I said, hey, can you help him? Because obviously he's he could have could need some help. I want Mm -hmm. people to have that sense of awareness. While I do comprehend not everyone is going to have that same empathy and that same kind of know how. The the people that do, if you like I tell you, if you have the awareness and you have the capability and you have the energy and the time and the resources, once in a while I'll just step in and help or support someone. 
in that capacity, just how you outlined. So I it totally am in alignment. It does it take takes a village. A village. And, we and hopefully know. now with the new presidency, mm-hmm. like we become more united. It's not going to be overnight. It's definitely, you know, may not even happen within the first year, just based on how divided the country is. But I think having these type of conversations and having people step up and having these types of examples can only do, you know, can can spread. And I think it's important that, you know, we continue this work. And we also need to keep affirming each other. Like I love mm-hmm. one of the Instagram accounts I love, 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 love is professional black girl. Mm-hmm. Love it because it's all about affirming us showing, you know, black girl joy and black boy joy and just a celebrating, you know, the variety of flavors that we are. We're not, you know, just one monolith of like black where there's so many varieties of us. Like I consider myself like a African hippie kind of free spirited. But then when it comes to my business, I could be a little bit more regimented, but I also am such a creative. Like I just think of ideas out the, out the box and I used to love anime and I play games and all these things. And then there's just people who are completely different than I am. So mm-hmm. there's such a range of us. I just want us to all affirm each other, even though, we all may not have the same habits or the same background. Black people need to do more of uplifting. And I would like to see more uplifting of black women because it's rare. At least it's not rare for me, but in the general circle of the interwebs, I don't always see that as like a consistent thing. And I Mm -hmm. think because we're spending so much time online and consuming so much media, I love to see more positive reinforcements and even like and more things that show the range and the diversity that exists within our own communities. Does that Mm -hmm. make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think you hit the nail on the head just talking about, you know, things that you see, things that influence you think. And these things are online, but I think these things are also, um, you know, what we see visibly in the media, where we see our country headed. And I'm just going to kind of take it back to the fact that, hello, we have a new vice president elect, Kamala Harris, a woman of color, a black woman, a woman of pan-Asian descent, and she is headed to the White House. And I think that's important for us to see because one, there's a phrase, you can't be what you can't see. Right. And I think that goes with, you know, her ascendance into vice presidency. I think that goes into Barack Obama's ascendance as our first black president of the United States. I think that goes into, you know, the fact that, you know, black women be caping, black women be, uh, going into self-care, Black women be helping. I think those are important things that influence us as a Black community and, you know, in our day-to-day lives. So going into, you know, that significance, I'd love to, you know, pick your brain on how do you think Black Americans are going to improve, are going to benefit, are going to... um I guess, yeah, really benefit from seeing, you know, Black people in power rise to the top. And how do you think that's going to affect us for the remainder of this year and for the next four years to come? For the remainder of this year, 
I think there's a sense of relief because a lot of black women cape and take care of things. They're like, oh, okay, good. Somebody there who is going to uh, keep things in, you know, in alignment and get us where we need to go because she's tenacious. And I see people bring up a record. I'm like, show me a politician who does not have something that someone has not agreed with. Like, just show me one. Like, have you agreed with every single thing every politician has ever done? I like, I highly doubt that. So just like any human being, politicians are human beings and they have complexities and they also have to play the game. And they also have to like navigate the, the, you know, the political scene and not always get behind things that they don't believe in to push their other agendas, like other agendas that will help a wider range of people forward. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Do you think, do you think she's going to have to defend her past, I guess, faults for the remainder of her presidency? Absolutely not. I'm already the vice president. I ain't got to prove nothing to you, at Mm -hmm. least from my perspective. And as far as how it influences, um, I think younger generations are totally going to be inspired. I think older generations are just are in amazement. Like first we had Obama as president and now we have Kamala as vice president. And I think stop there. That's insane. But like, you know, it, but it shouldn't be insane. And that's my, I think that's my, like my pessimism in a sense, like it shouldn't be insane. As long as we, as long as we've been here, as many years that we've built this country and other, uh, you know, people of color have built this country. It shouldn't be like, this shouldn't be like, oh my God, it's the first time. It's, and I appreciate at least Joe Biden and his speech saying, we have to address systematic racism. Like mm-hmm. that's that's something that needs to be addressed on a national level. Some people, oh, let the states do what they want to do. Nah, it is widespread. It is entrenched. It is what this country has been founded on. And in order to move to something different, we have to break it. Like you have to break that abusive cycle. If you don't break it, you don't address it. It's going to continue just in different forms. So yeah. I'm looking forward to Biden's ability to work with both sides, just as Obama did. They were more contentious with him because he was a black man. Let's like keep it 100 they were more contentious with it. Like, if you weren't a black man, there, I don't know if there would have been as much pushback on the policies that he was trying to push forward. So I think we, fortunately and unfortunately, will maybe move with more uh, bipartisan cooperation with Biden in office. I think there's going to be some contention with Kamala. I'm already prepared for it. In, in some ways, and I'm sure she is, because, woo, the the pushback on, well, I'm this black, this black bee going to tell me how to run, you know, run my constituents, my, con- oh, Lord, I, 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 I'm tired for her already, um, in a sense. So I think I'm happy for younger generations to see this. They don't have to experience or deal with the underbelly of what, uh, all the things that they will have to be dealing with, but to have the visual representation to me holds so much value. And over the next four years, over the next 10 years, 20 years, 40, 50 years, 
I want this trend to become the norm. I want women. I think we need a woman president next. Like, I feel like that's like the next level of evolution. And if we're going to be about it, let's really be about it. Let With, with good reason. <laughs> with good reason. I mean, to your point, um, it's, it's going to be an uphill battle. I'm still just shook on the fact that, you know, black women technically did not get the right to vote until 1965. Like, what? And a little bit over 40 years later, we have a black woman vice president. And I think that's where my just mind blown emoji comes into play because having a black president was great, was amazing. It was something that we needed to see. It was something that I think sparked a lot in a lot of people, a lot of black people, Black mothers, fathers, sons, daughters, nieces, nephews, grandparents. But having a Black woman as a vice president, I think that just set off a whole new precedence of Black excellence for women. Like we knew we can be bomb first ladies because we have Michelle Obama as an example. We knew we could be bomb CEOs because we have multiple black women in positions of power as examples. But I think we were lacking, you know, other examples. And I just commend and I'm just so grateful to see another example of black girl magic and power. And I think mm-hmm. we need to we we love to see it and we love to see more of it. Absolutely. And I think black ex- excellence comes in all forms. I don't care if you work a retail job. I don't care if you are a stay at home mom, whatever that looks like or whatever your life looks like in that you can still be excellent at that. And at the same time, we're still raising people like even if black women don't have kids, they seem to be like taking on, <laughs> they seem to care for other people. Like I'm an auntie. I'm a proud auntie. I have, you know, I have one, two, three, four nieces and nephews now. And I look to be an example for them. I also feel like I'm a very maternal to my community and people in my community. So I want women especially black women to understand that while Kamala is vice president and that's wonderful and that's excellent where you are, where you choose to be as your lot in life doesn't, isn't minimized because we have all these shining examples. You hear what I'm saying? Like Mm -hmm. we, I want us to feel that we have each other and no matter where you are, what position you have, if you choose to aspire to more, that is great. I want to kind of break the narrative of you got to work harder. You got to be better. You put all this pressure on us to to excel above everyone else. When we just be ourselves, we are excelling already. That's a word. I'm here for it. So I I get like, and I, I think I've been watching people like, especially during pandemic. Oh, if you don't come out of pandemic with five new businesses, then what have you been wasting your time? I think that's kind of like, that's backwards thinking in a sense. It's a little toxic because we- It's a lot of toxic. Yeah, we've been dealing with a lot. 
Listen, if you come if you come out of this with your right if you come out of this with your right mind, you're winning. If you Absolutely. come out of this with your health, you're winning. Right. So I think that is key. <laughs> like I, I hate all of that toxic productivity talk. Um, but I'm gonna be honest, because I mean, I think there there's a little complexity to this. For me and my own personal journey, I feel like it was important to me to not allow this time to be wasted. So while I definitely believe in, you know, do you boo, I also believe in for me, it was important to me, to myself, that I took on challenges and made several, you know, accomplishments and did what I wanted to do because I also felt like, you know, this is a one in a lifetime opportunity. And I think, you know, like a lot of people, they don't take this time, you know, being able to work from home or being able to be spend so much time with their family and loved ones. And even though it's during a pandemic, it's time that shouldn't be wasted and um, just kind of squandered off. This is in my opinion. Like I said, it's a little complex, so I may be um, contradicting myself, but I, like I said, I do believe in what you're saying and I definitely believe in, you know, doing what works best for you. Um, but for me, I felt like, listen, I graduated, got my master's degree. I just like started two new businesses. I, you know, wrote a book. Like for me, it was like, this is once in a lifetime opportunity where I can do so much in so little time. And that kind of even goes back to the fact that black women never get a chance to sit down and breathe because it's kind of ingrained in my brain that you keep going, go faster, go harder, do what you got to do. Rest is for the week and just get stuff done, period. Stop with all the pressure. I know. With all the pressure. (laughs) I I must write the book. I must direct the film and the play. I must be in the film and play and direct it as well. It's the pressure that we put on ourselves because once again, we started at such a, you know, we started in the negative. Like we we were never on the same playing field as others. So we kind of had to overcompensate. That's a whole episode within itself. Just how, you know, we as a people have to overcompensate for so much. Yeah, I'm, I'm, listen, my biggest worry right now is going into the the winter season and colds and flus and COVIDs. And then my Netflix uh, price is going up. You know, like it's the little things. It's like a complex, it's a complex mix. I saw the message, $13.99. Like, who do you think you are asking me for more money? I think I'm paying enough. Also, I fully comprehend the need to be or feel like you need to be more productive or use this time wisely. I think a lot of people hopefully were able to utilize this time also to rest. Cause I know a lot of people who like are working, 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 and maybe the, the, at least the beginning of the pandemic uh, forced people to like, all right, yes, I'm kind of, I'm going to be put in a situation because I can't go to work, but if I'm going to be forced to be here on lockdown, can I like just, can I just sit down for five minutes? That that sounds like a wonderful thing to be able to do. And 
as we go into the winter season, because uh, winter is coming. Winter is I'm, coming. I am. I am. I am pessimistic and optimistic because right now people are still behaving like, oh, the pandemic is over. Vaccine is coming. We have Biden and Kamala in office. Like we can like be lax. And I am, nah, we can't. Like be just as vigilant, be just as uh, aware, be just as responsible as we, you know, and precautious as we are at the beginning of this. And maybe just perhaps we'll have, be able to be somewhat normal again sometime in next year future yeah because right. ain't, ain't no lex bitch <laughs> ain't no lex ain't no such thing as lex not Cause, an ounce um yeah because uh even the way folks were like dancing in the street Girl. and excited i was low-key i was excited and then i was like oh my god there's so many people COVID. oh my god yeah they got mad yeah straight <laughs> up straight up i'm gonna tell you i'm triggered like COVID has definitely triggered. I'm always, I mean, one, let's be clear. I'm an introvert. Um, I'm not going to say I'm antisocial because like if you know me and we cool, you know I can talk and kick it and silly and goofy and all that good stuff. But um, this whole COVID thing has definitely triggered me because I was watching a football game. Don't even ask me why because I'm not even even a football fan. It was a college football game. It was Notre Dame and Clemson. And after the game, one, they had students in the, in the uh, stadium. So I was just freaked out by that. Like that was like, Oh God, no, like they're too close. Yeah. They're wearing masks. They're too close. But on top of that, after the game, they all rushed the field and all you saw were like, thousands and thousands and thousands of kids like running to the center of the field and they look like a bunch of like black ants on a hot Cheeto and it was like oh my god oh my god oh my god it's too many people y'all gonna keep COVID around because clearly ain't no lax when it come to COVID and I'm sorry I had to share my story because that really triggered me well, with that being said, at least I saw Biden is putting together a COVID response team already, and they're not even in the office yet. So I am optimistic, at least in terms of protocol. I am pessimistic because that's just the conditioning that has happened over the last couple of months. Uh, at the same time, I am looking, well, again, my optimism kicks in again and says, hey, it, steps are being taken taken uh, more seriously and we're moving forward. So it's Black in real life. Like we have the ups and we have the downs. We have the the all these different scenarios that play out constantly in our lives and that we have to be hyper aware of just because that's just the way we were. I was raised at least. I'll be accountable for myself. I personally have always looked at all like looked at all the potential scenarios and the outcomes and had to make backup plans to make sure that me and mine are safe and then also being mindful of others, you know, safety as well. So wear a mask, please, for just for me. Wear a mask. <laughs> for me, I'm wear a asking. mask. Be safe. 
you I'm know, pretty pleased as as two black people that's going through it. Just help us help the world. Help us Wear help you. Help us help you. And no, those no no mask with the vents on it because we know that it like completely defeats the purpose. Like if we were like in a like if this was a pollution issue of like environmental pollution, yes, the vents would you know make sense. But because of COVID, nah. And get proper mask. And then if you can't afford one, I saw some at the dollar store. So they are there. So they're out. They're they're everywhere. All, all price ranges, all price points. Um, and if you think your freedoms are being taken away because someone asked you to wear a mask, I'd like you to reconsider that point. No one's taking your freedom away. I, we're trying to protect you as much as we're trying to protect ourselves. So if we all just cooperate together, we can have... We can we can get through this together. Together. <laughs> I went through the dramatic pause and you just filled in and then thank you. Thank you I'm very sorry, much. I'm sorry, I got you. No, I got you. Oh, no, you got me. Like, that's that's exactly what it is. It's We just need to be cooperative and be mindful and... Uh, take the ego out of the conversation because this is not about ego this is about survival mm-hmm. so well i think that's it woman well we did that we first did episode first episode of black in real life make sure you yeah. tune in for the next episode because uh-huh. we're talking about black stuff uh-huh in real time and uh-huh. in real life right and make sure you follow us on social medias we're on all the socials as black and real life that's b-l-k-i-n real life that's on instagram that's on twitter and the facebooks and until next time thank you for joining us on this episode of black black and real life black and real life, real life. Real life. Real life. Real life. Real life. all right bye everyone